Well, good morning, church. We are glad to be together this morning, aren't we? It's good to have a place to come where we know Jesus Christ comes to meet with us. It's good to be with brothers and sisters who we know have been called here by Jesus Christ to be with us. It's good to know throughout the week that we have this fellowship to lift us up when we are low and to draw strength from when we feel weak. We are grateful that we get to be together. We are grateful that we have online facilities for those who aren't able to be with us, who are sick or have various other impediments, but uh, it is good to be together. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Visitors, thank you for joining us. We hope you'll give us a chance to share some coffee and carbohydrates after the worship service and spend some time with us in Bible class too. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to spend almost all of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to dip a little bit over into chapter 2 and then come back to chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to that section of the Bible. And if you have your study sheets, you can look on there, and I've put most of the stuff I'm going to refer to right there on your study sheet. Have you ever lost track of where you are? Have you ever done that? I, I have a humiliating experience that I had with my son Taylor when he was about 15 or 16. We, uh, I had sailed a lot of little sunfish, and I kind of thought I knew how to sail. And uh, when we were down in Padre Island... I thought it would be great to rent a catamaran, which uh, is, um, well, sailing a sun, if sailing a sunfish is like riding a tricycle, sailing a catamaran is more like riding a unicycle. I mean, they're sort of similar, but one is much more twitchy than the other, let me tell you. And uh, it was great that, you know, it's not a, it wasn't hard. It's the bay off of South Padre Island, so actually uh, not very dangerous. We were out there. We were having a great time. Those things are like little sports cars, catamarans. They just go so fast. There's so much more sail than there is hull in the water. I just thought I was the bomb. I was going so fast, and it was great. We were hiking out way on the side, and we saw dolphins. There were there's dolphins out there swimming in this bay. And I said, Taylor, look, dolphins are going that way. And I turned around. Now, let me explain to you about turning in a sailboat. You have to recognize which way the wind is coming from when you turn. Because the wind is your power. And if you forget which way the power is, the power will flip you right over. And that is what happened. So there, in front of my 15-year-old son... I crashed the catamaran. I didn't break it, but I flipped it over. Now, this is the bay of, off Padre Island, and we were able to just get out and walk. That's how shallow it is. 
it was kind of up to our chest, but we could just walk on the bottom and, and try to flip it and get it upright. And eventually, with a little help, we got it uh, back upright. But it was all because I forgot which way the power was coming from. That's what it was all about. Where is the power coming? I thought because I had the tiller and because I was controlling the sails, I was the one in charge. But there's another factor. Where's the power? This morning's sermon, I've titled it The Foolishness of God because that's a phrase that Paul uses. He says, the foolishness of God, God at his most foolish, is wiser than the greatest wisdom of humans. And he says that to make a point about what human beings actually are. And he says it to make a point especially about what this central thing we're doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Let's read what he says. We already had it read one time. Thank you, Keaton, for doing that for us this morning. We appreciate you reading. He says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He says, people looking in from outside, you tell them, yeah, I believe I'm saved by a guy the Romans killed 2,000 plus years, or 2,000 years ago. Well, the Romans killed hundreds of thousands of people that way, maybe. Certainly in the thousands, they crucified lots of people. Yeah, but I believe I'm saved by this guy. Well, that does sound kind of crazy until you experience it, until you realize it. He says, the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person, the intelligence um, where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a scandal, stumbling block, to the Jews, and foolishness to the Greeks. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That is a profound set of claims that Paul is making. He is saying, don't look at the gospel as another attempt to be a human best-selling philosophy. Jesus' seven tips for becoming the best you. The way of Christ for weight loss now. You know, Jesus' plan to grow your business. That's not what we're doing. That's human wisdom. Or, you know... God's secret plan to fix the economy. That's human wisdom. 
He says, and when human wisdom does its best, it falls short of what God is doing in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the best of human wisdom, if it forgets where its power comes from, falls short of understanding what God is doing. If you're working the study sheet, here's the answer. The cross is a forever reminder that all of humanity's best wisdom is incomplete without God. It's incomplete without God. We live in a world where the power for our brains comes from God, just like everything else. The reason why human beings are able to be smart in this universe is because God allows us to be smart. God has encoded his wisdom into our world. That's what John chapter 1 says. In the beginning was the wisdom, the word, the logos. And the wisdom is God. And everything's been created. And that wisdom is the light of human beings. The reason why you are smart and the extent to which you're capable of being smart is because you're being powered by God. How many of you have ever worked a jigsaw puzzle? What's the biggest, okay, don't shout out this because I don't want to know, but just think in your head, what's the largest number of pieces jigsaw puzzle you've ever worked? I will, I will, the largest one I've ever worked is a thousand pieces. You know, that's pretty standard. Even that frustrates me. I'm, I'm too ADD to even put up with that. Yodi and Elizabeth can work them and I will come in occasionally and I can last about five minutes and then I have to go do something else because I get distracted. And then I'll come back and try again, you know, a little bit. Thousand pieces, thousand pieces. And it's kind of fun. A new jigsaw, but we usually get at least one new jigsaw puzzle for Christmas, and we'll try and lay it out and work it. Um, what if you get a new jigsaw puzzle, and, and it's sealed in the plastic, you know, it's got the picture, maybe it's an English garden or a seascape or something, and you, and you unseal the plastic, and you look at the picture. We usually set the picture up so we can see what our model is, and we dump all the pieces out. I don't know how you guys do a puzzle. We carefully turn all the pieces so we can see the picture side of all the pieces. And then we start looking for the edges. You guys do edges first? We do edges first. We're looking for all the edges. And we start trying to put together the corners and the edges first. Then gradually build in from there. How frustrated would you be if you work on a puzzle, you get it about halfway finished, and you realize... This is not one puzzle. This is like the pieces from about six puzzles just thrown in randomly and they sealed it up with plastic. Half of these pieces don't have anything to do with the picture that's on the box. And some of them don't fit together at all, even with each other. How mad... I don't know who you'd write to first. Would you yell at the store? Would you yell at the manufacturer? That is so, it's like there's a contract. When you buy a puzzle, it's got a solution, right? It's not, you're not supposed, right? 
This is a thing that philosophers in Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy have, have wondered about from ancient times and all the way up to the modern time. Our world is like a puzzle. It seems to be designed to be solved. It is not like just a random chaos where the pieces don't fit together and there's no solution at all. Somehow the world wants to be understood. And the reason that's true is because of the power of God, the wisdom of God, the word of God that is encoded in every molecule of this world we live in. And where we mess up, Paul says, give me the best philosopher of this age, give me the wisest Jewish scribe of this age, and if they think that it's their intelligence that's solving their problems, if they forget that their power comes from God, they will get this wrong. If we forget that we live in God's universe and the power of our intelligence depends on a power far beyond us, if we forget where the power comes from, we will get this wrong every time. That's what he says in chapter 2. Look in chapter 2, verse 6. If you have your Bibles, look in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, verse 6. Paul says, I've been talking about foolishness, but he, he says, I want to tell you this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden that God and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers, look at verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He said Jesus coming in the flesh and most of all Jesus going to the cross. That is not something that the best wisdom, the highest intelligence... The greatest analysis that human beings are capable of, apart from the wisdom of God, would have ever figured out. And so the powerful people, the Romans and the leaders of the Jews, they never understood it. And that's why they killed Jesus. They couldn't see that what God was doing in him. They couldn't see it because they forgot where the power is coming from. Look at chapter, okay, I do want you to go a little bit to chapter 3, I forgot. Look at chapter 3, verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. He says there is a moment in every human's life if they really want to be wise, when they have to admit their own foolishness. There's a famous episode long before this, these words were written. There's a famous episode in Athens. Socrates, 
is on trial for his life in front of the, the Mars Hill Court, the Areopagus, actually. Same place Paul eventually stands trial in Athens. And in the Areopagus Court, Socrates is put on trial for the things he's been teaching. And he says, people have said I was wise if, if I have any wisdom at all. It's this, I don't know. I don't know. Socrates says, the essence of my wisdom is that I'm not wise. And the fact is, God built you to be wise with his help. And he wants you to be wise with his help. But in order to be wise with his help, you have to realize I'm not wise on my own. And that's a movement of humility. That's a movement to say, my brains aren't enough. My intelligence alone isn't enough. Even all the smartest people I know put together, it's not enough. We need help from the power of God. That's what Paul is saying here. If you think you're wise, you need to become humble. In chapter 2, back in chapter 2, look at verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no eye has heard, what, and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God are prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Paul says, how do we get this wisdom from God? How do we get this power from God? He's given to give you a crucial way that God comes to the aid of our wisdom so that we are able to function properly. If you listen carefully what chapter 2 says, you're going to get one of the keys. Listen carefully. Verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit we're talking about, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who has known a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. This is one of the great claims in Scripture about the meaning of the words of Revelation. It applies to your Scriptures. It applies to other things that the apostles said when they were verbally proclaiming the gospel. He says... We who have received the Spirit of God, when we talk, the power of God is helping us to say what is true about the world and true about God. And so, 
being willing to submit yourself to that wisdom of God will help you to actually make contact with the real wisdom that runs the world. The cross, if you're doing the worksheet, the cross is a forever reminder that we become wise only as we submit our thinking to God and his revealed word. For us today, we have our Old Testament, our New Testament, and we study it. Now, it's, it's hard to, to work our way through the scriptures. It's hard to figure out God's will, even with his word. We have to work at it, and, and I've spent my whole life working at it, and I still haven't touched bottom. But over and over again, when I submit myself to the word and I look at what it teaches us, I go deeper and deeper into the wisdom of God. And I can testify from personal experience, as many of you can, some of the worst mistakes I've made in my life is when I have said, I know better than God's revealed word. Some of the worst things I've done, some of the worst errors that I've fallen into is when I've said, I know better than God's revealed word. Because when I say that, I'm forgetting where the power is coming from. Brothers and sisters, this is where the power comes from. And if you want to be wise, become enough of a fool to submit yourself to God's revealed word. Paul says one more thing I want to draw your attention to. Turn back to chapter 1. Look at verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Remember your conversion. Look around you in the church, he says, there at Corinth. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul says, check out the church you belong to. Whatever it is God is doing, he is not following the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom says, if you want a successful organization, you pick the smartest people. You pick the richest people. You pick the most influential people. You pick the most talented people. Frankly, in our world, 
You pick the prettiest people. Now look around you. Go ahead, Wilshire, take a gander. Okay, don't point fingers, just take a gander. This started when Jesus was walking around on earth. Who flocked to his ministry? Tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And he didn't say, no, 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 you're going to mess up my whole thing. i got to get the, the good people first, and then I'll let some of you rabble come in. He said, you're my people. Because God's power, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God's power is made perfect in weakness. The cross is a forever reminder that God's kingdom is built out of our weaknesses healed by God's strength. All of us want to be strong. God wants you to be strong. God wants you to be talented. God built you to be smart. God gave you gifts and he wants you to exercise them. But don't ever be fooled that God wants you to wait outside the building until you get your life straightened out before he can make use of you. Don't ever fall into that trap. Don't ever sit there in the pew saying, well, when I get these sins under control, then I'll start doing things for God. Don't ever let Satan whisper that in your ears. God's power is made perfect in weakness. God has always taken the broken. God has always taken, like Jeremy said, the wee little men. God has always taken those whose lives are messed up. And he starts with them right then, right there, right where they are to build his kingdom. Because it doesn't depend on us. We can't forget where the power is coming from. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you so much for the blessings of the grace of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be humble enough to realize that our best wisdom is foolish compared to yours. Help us to be humble enough to submit ourselves to your wisdom and to let your insights and your word power our intelligence so that we can truly begin to see your wisdom for what it is, that we can truly begin to live our lives rightly that we can truly begin to love others fully, that we can truly begin to bring justice into the world correctly. God, please, please, please help us to understand who you are and to allow you to flow through us in all your power. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to the great invitation, now's the time. I know you think you've got lots of time? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But perhaps right there you're thinking, I need prayers. I need public prayers. I need to ask the church for some help on this problem I'm having. Or right there you're thinking, 
I've never actually put on Jesus Christ in baptism. Don't put that decision off. Today, you can come down the aisles and say, I want to become Christ's person. Today, you can be washed in the waters of baptism, and today, you can be Christ's person. Why don't you take the step you need to take as we rise and are led in song?